Good morning. My name is Deacon Norman Freeman, and I will be presenting today's lesson titled, A Living Hope, from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Let us first go to God in prayer. Great Jehovah Yahweh, we humbly submit ourselves before you this day, thanking you for another opportunity to study your word. We pray that your word will go forward in a manner that will be pleasing and acceptable to you. We pray that you will use this lesson in a way that someone will be drawn to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. We praise you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A little background about Peter before we get into today's lesson. Uh, there's little doubt that the Apostle Peter is the author of this epistle. He introduces himself in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. We also note that he is writing to strangers, perhaps Greek converts in various regions of Asia. Peter's letter is encouragement for all Christians who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ then and today, who have accepted the truth of the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus, our Savior. With these words to motivate us, we are assured that there is victory over suffering. Peter wrote to Jewish Christians driven out of Jerusalem and scattered throughout Asia Minor. There is much that we can learn from his letter. He wrote to encourage Christians who were under persecution. The Apostle Peter also known as St. Peter, Simon Peter, and Cephas, was one of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. And along with James and John, he was one of Jesus's closest companions. Peter's original name was Simon, but Jesus called him Cephas. Read this in John first chapter, verse 42, which is Aramaic for or Aramaic word that translates to Peter, Petros in Greek. As a result, Peter is also referred to as Simon, Simon Peter, and Cephas. After the resurrection, Peter became one of the most influential Christian leaders in the first century, and according to Catholic tradition, he was also the first pope. Peter was married, a fisherman, the rock part of Jesus's inner circle, witnessed Jesus raising a dead girl. Read this in Mark chapter five, verse 35 through 43. Witnessed the transfiguration, Matthew 17th chapter, verse one through 13, a pillar of the early Christian church. Peter was killed by Emperor Nero around 64 AD, and the Catholic church regards Peter as the first Pope. Peter was a fisherman by trade, but he grew into a gifted preacher and bold leader. In the Gospels, he portrayed an impetuous, always speaking his mind and acting on impulse. In the book of Acts, Peter's decisiveness transformed him into someone the early Christians constantly relied on and turned to. Now today's lesson titled A Living Hope from 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 through 12 
is divided into two parts for ease of discussion. I will re read the scripture in two corresponding parts from the New Living uh, Translation and then discuss each part directly after the scripture reading. These two parts are part one, hope through salvation, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 6, and part two, triumphant victory, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 through 12. Scripture 4, part 1, hope through salvation. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 reads, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is all ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Now let's discuss part one, hope through salvation. When Adam and Eve sinned against God in the Garden of Eden, man fell from a great estate. This did not catch God by surprise, for he had a plan of redemption already in place. God has already established reconciliation with mankind through the death burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is through God's abundant mercy that we are not consumed. The shed blood of Jesus not only brings hope of eternal life, but a lively hope to all humankind. We have been transformed into Christ's kingdom through the incorruptible inheritance we received. All of this is accomplished by the resurrection power that is in us through the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the phrase lively hope, translated in Greek, is new birth or born again. The concept of the new birth is found in John, where the new birth is not dependent on the will of people but on that of the Spirit. Verse, uh, or chapter 1, verse 13, and 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6. The new birth came through, Jesus, through God's mercy in the Old Testament and is expressed by the Hebrew word loving kindness. In Greek, this word reminds the reader that the provision for the new birth is solely the work of God without any merit whatsoever from the receiver of the new birth. Inheritance results from the new birth as well. The inheritance notion is found in the Old Testament with the promise of God to Abraham to give him the land of Canaan. The children of Israel received the land through conquest by Joshua. Unlike the inheritance promised to the Israelites, the inheritance God promised to Christians is not subject to plagues. 
Peter uses three qualifiers in Greek to explain the quality of this inheritance. First, it is uncorruptible or permanent and cannot suffer corruption or corrosion. Second, it is undefiled, morally pure, and cannot be tainted. Third, it is reserved in heaven, set aside eternally for believers. The term used for kept by the power of God in Greek has military connotations. It gives a picture of defense against a military assault while those protected are in a fortress. Christian life is not problem-free, but instead a life of trial, temptations, and assaults of all kinds. This protection has a time frame. It runs from the new birth until the last time where the final salvation is acquired. Christians are under God's protection until the last day appointed for God to return the, of Jesus Christ and the end of the world. Proverbs 18th chapter verse 10 and John 17th chapter verse 11 give us an assurance that the name of God is real protection. The living hope is indeed a source of great joy. The anticipation of Christ's return and the glorification of saints with him provide a real joy. The believer's joy is challenging, is challenged by the suffering they are experiencing throughout provinces in Asia and elsewhere. But this is for a little while, though now for a season, because he has already set the time frame of endurance. The attitude we should have when the su they suffer for Christ is different from what they suffer for their own misbehavior. Scripture for part two, triumphant victory, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 through 12. And verse 7 reads, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is, is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this glorious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels were eagerly watching these things happen. The sufferings in a Christian's life have a purpose. The goal is to test one's faith and bring it to maturity. 
James gives the process of the refinement of one's faith through suffering, trials being perseverance. When one endures these sufferings, it brings maturity in their faith. A mature faith will produce a testimony that will glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ at his second coming. Peter explains the purification process of believers' faith through trials by drawing a parallel to the precious of the process of purification of gold. Gold does not go through this process through placement in a in fire with a, within a furnace. The aim is to remove the impurities from the mind substance and achieve pure gold. In so doing, the fire does not destroy the gold. Rather, the gold's purity increases after being separated from the impurities. The apostles' audience, who did not know Christ in person, did two things. They loved him and believed in him. Glorious, inexpressible joy is a result of their love and belief in Christ without the ability to see him physically. The prize is the goal of believers' faith. Here again, the notion of hope and perseverance is present. Their faith has a goal, the inheritance, the living hope. It is summed up in the salvation of their souls. Souls here refers to the whole person. Salvation is both present and future and relates to the whole person, not just the physical body. It starts with regeneration at new birth and is complete in the glorification when Christ comes. This salvation was a the theme of the prophets of the Old Testament. In Luke 24th chapter, verse 45 through 47, Jesus reminded the disciples of the content of the Old Testament that he summarized through his suffering, death, and resurrection from the dead. These prophets were moved by the Spirit of Christ in them. In his second letter, Peter reminds his readers that no prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophet's own will. Read this in 2 Peter, first chapter, verse 12 through 21. What the prophets received as a message was not intended for them, but for the believers in Christ, as in the case with Peter's audience. The prophets were told they were not the recipients of grace, but that they were serving the future believers in Christ. When the prophets talked about these things, they were looking forward to the future beneficiaries. This reminds us of Jesus' commission to the disciples to go into the world and preach the gospel after they have received the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28th chapter, verse 18 through 20, and Mark the 16th chapter, verse 15, Luke the 24th chapter, verse 47, and Acts the first chapter, verse 8. This ends today's lesson. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for giving light to your ways and opening our minds that we may see the things that you have stored up for us. Help us to remember to be obedient to you in every way. Help us to recognize that we are alive here on earth and that we must live in a manner that reflects your ways and your values. 
Give us the wisdom to know and understand what life in your presence will be like. Help us to understand that all we need to do is tell the story and the Holy Spirit does the rest. Bless this lesson and allow it to touch someone to bring them to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen.